Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. Morning. How you going? Good. That was cool. All right, open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Let's uh, get into the message and see where the Lord leads this morning. Apparently you can find the scriptures in the Version app, so enjoy that. All right, so this is, uh, this is week four. We took a break to celebrate fathers, honour the fathers um, in our lives last week, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, this is week four as we resume the Acceptable Sin series. We've looked at laziness, gluttony and gossip. And today, we're dealing with lust. Show of hands, who struggles with lust? No, I'm sorry, that was a loaded question. I was like, I just wonder what response I'll get if I ask, who here struggles with lust? I, I struggle with lust. I've struggled with lust um, and has been a massive work in my life. But I just I thought, mm, if I put people on the spot, what kind of response we'll get? I'm sorry, that was really mean. So today, we're talking about lust. And I feel like this is one of the behaviours, laziness and gluttony and gossip, they kind of have external behaviours that become, they can be really obvious, but I feel like lust is actually an attitude of the heart, the mind, the spirit and the soul that um, doesn't necessarily have external behaviour linked to it. You can have um, an attitude, a heart, a spirit of lust and nobody around you would, could actually know about it. Um, and so I feel like this is kind of, and next, next couple of weeks, Linda looks at um, envy and pride and I feel like this changes gears a little bit in our Acceptable Sin series where we do have to go a little bit deeper into our spirits and we do have to open up into a greater sense of accountability and relationship with one another to go away from today and go, actually, this is something that I really struggle with. Because it's not something like if somebody has a behaviour of gluttony Generally, that becomes obvious in some way, shape or form. If somebody you know, commits gossip, if somebody's a great gossiper, it's a terrible way to put it, but it's kind of really obvious because that's what we hear from them, is gossip. And quite often, that's what people get known for. If somebody's got a spirit of laziness, it's generally obvious because they don't do much. I know some parents look at their kids and like, you lazy, do something. But often we can look at these behaviours and not actually address what's behind the behaviour. And it's the same in some ways with lust. We might not see the behaviour that comes from having a spirit of lust, having um, a mindset of lust, but somewhere there might be behaviours that we need to address and part of what we want to do as the body of Christ is to provide a safe place for those behaviours, those attitudes, those mindsets, those thoughts to come out into the light where the Spirit can shine His love, His grace and His mercy on it and that we can actually walk through it as sons and daughters of God. Rather than just continue to bury these things and just accept them as the way things are. The definition that I found for lust is that it's a psychological force producing intense wanting for an object or a circumstance fulfilling the emotion. 
Lust is the unhealthy desire for that which we do not have, even if we can gain it by healthy means. Let's have a look at Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will surely die. You will not surely die, verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves, and have been wearing clothes ever since. Isn't it amazing that so simply and easily we can be deceived into thinking that we don't have what we need or want? If you look at the story, the serpent says to Eve, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God. Do you know the truth of the matter was that Adam and Eve were both made in the image of God to reflect His goodness and His likeness. They were like God already, and had relationship and connection with Creator God. And then here in this, in this questioning moment, the serpent twists it and says, Oh, actually, you're not getting the full story. You're not getting the full picture. There's more that you're not aware of at the moment. There's more accessible to you if you take part in this behavior. God knows that, but He's just he's trying to keep it from you. If you just took some of this fruit and ate it, you would have these things. You would have more. It was, the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. Of course it was, because it was in the garden that God created and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and she ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. And so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. See, lust is this, this evil, twisted kind of idea, mindset that what I don't have, I need to access in my own ways, in my own terms for myself to feel better. And quite often it's a laying down of the way the, the the things and the ways that God's already put in place for us and taking up a warped, twisted, perverted way of actually accessing those things. And lust generally is about this desire for something we don't have and generally relate it to sex or money or power, that we have this burning desire that grows within us to have that which we don't want. And it's a lot right from the get-go, it's a lie from the enemy that says, there's this thing that you don't have and really, God's keeping it from you. You could actually have it if you do this. And you could do that for yourself and then you can have it. And so lust creates this, this desire within us that when we meet that lust, you can't actually satisfy lust. Because the minute that you try and satisfy a desire of lust in your own terms or on your own way, you can't do it in a healthy way. You just feed the lust. 
And so if you get into the biology all of it all, the brain just fires off all these you know, good sensations and chemicals are released to say, that was really good, I've got to get me some more of that. So the desire of lust just grows within us once more. And so we actually have to go through the same behaviour again to actually access whatever it is that we were chasing after in the first place. Rather than going, actually, what's, what does God say about this desire of my life? How can I access what it is that's missing from my life? See, because intrinsically, there's nothing wrong with sex. God created it. There's nothing wrong with money when it's used in the right way for the right things at the right time in the right places. And there's nothing wrong with power. There's, there is power. There's, there's godly power. There's earthly power. And we have a choice to make about whose power we're going to access and who we're going to allow to be powerful in our own lives and how we exercise our own power. There's nothing wrong with any of those three main elements that can be um, objects of lust. But when they do become objects of lust and we want to seek after them in our own way, with our own strength, our own understanding, is when we actually fall short and we miss what God has in store for us. Lust and love are not the same thing. Lust is what do I want and how do I get it? Lust is all about me. Lust is all about me. And how do I get what I want? How do I go further? How do I get better than what I've got? Love is how do I give for the other person? What do I give to the other person? How do I be a blessing to the other person? How do I serve the other person? How do I seek the best for them rather than just the best for myself? Lust is a condition of the heart that says, I don't actually trust God for what I need in my life. Lust says, I don't trust God. And we have a choice to make in how we fulfill the desires of our heart. Have you ever um, looked to buy a car or bought a car and until you bought that car, you never saw it? And then when you buy that car, you see it everywhere. I never saw a gold Kia Carnival until we bought ours. And now they're everywhere. Drives me nuts. I thought it was unique. I, didn't, I chose the gold one, not the white one. I thought it was something different. Because there's white Kia Carnivals everywhere, isn't there? There's gold Kia Carnivals everywhere too. I didn't see them until I had one. So sometimes we, we, we see what we look for. We see what we look for. And lust twists our thinking and our emotions and even down to our actions and how we live our lives, our behaviours, to actually fulfil what we are looking for and never in a healthy way. You can't quench lust in a healthy way. It's only through relationship with God that lust can be quenched. Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to turn there now. Follow God's example from verse 1. Therefore, as dearly loved children, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, 
but rather thanksgiving. <clears throat> For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. I want to concentrate on verse uh, 3 and 4. Among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Like not, even, not even a hint of sexual immorality or greed or impur- impurity. Nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. See, what I discovered in my own life, and with all of these acceptable sins, maybe it's possible, but I don't think the reality is that you can, like, you can have a heart of lust, or you can have lust as a problem in your life, but not actually struggle with something else as well. Does that make sense? Like, it's not often that somebody struggles with lust, but everything else in their life is just switched on to God, crazy in love with Jesus, just moving in signs and wonders, healings and miracles. Like, often it's, it's lust and it's greed and it's impurity and it's dishonor and it's neglect. Like, there's a flow-on effect. And so part of looking at acceptable sins and these issues in our lives is it's not just lust that's a problem, it's actually the entirety of our heart is not committed to following God. So we single out lust and we single out gossip and gluttony and laziness and envy and pride to actually go, you know, what's actually happening when these are an issue in our lives, but they're never an issue by themselves. And all of it is a heart issue in relationship with our Father. All of it is because somewhere along the line we've missed, we've missed out on how God sees us. That was what Adam and Eve's downfall was. That they believed the lie about who God was and how God saw them. And so they looked to fulfill that for themselves. And so when we struggle with any kind of aspect of sin, it's this neglect to actually understand who God is and what He's like. And to seek his best for our lives. To hear what he has to say. Part of the problem for a long time is I don't think we've been great at having conversations. Last we often relate to sex. Okay? And I don't know, for some people, as soon as we start talking about sex and sexuality, some people get really uncomfortable. And I think that's actually part of the problem. Somewhere along the way, we haven't actually created a safe place within our families, within our homes, within church culture. And I think this church has had some great healthy conversations over the years about healthy sex and sexuality and what that looks like and what that doesn't look like. But to actually create a safe place where people go, do you know what? I don't, I'm actually really struggling. I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with pornography. I'm struggling with masturbation. I'm struggling with these thoughts in my head that I don't actually know what to do with. And for a long time, people struggling with these things, they'd either go, it looks like it's just me, and I know this was part of my problem in the years gone by, was like, I don't actually know who to talk to or how to talk to anybody about it. And for a lot of people, they'd be like, oh, I'll talk to the pastor about it. And go and talk to the pastor. The pastor doesn't have the tools or the equipment to actually deal with it in a healthy way. So they're like, well, let's pray about it. And they pray about it. Well, do you feel any better? No. Um, here, read a book. Okay, thanks. And kind of left with that device. Who 
as a child who here received a book from their parent about the birds and the bees? Anyone receive a book? As a parent, who just gave your children, no shame, okay? As a parent, who just gave your children a book and said, here, read this book? Okay, fewer hands, that's good, that's good. Because we're like, how do we actually have the conversation? How do we have a healthy dialogue about sex and sexuality? How do we create a place where my children come and say, these are the thoughts in my head, and I can go, well, that's okay, let's talk about it. Do you know, sex drive is normal. I know that's profound for some people here today. Do you know that sex drive being activated in your teenage years is completely normal? That's okay. If you have a sex drive and you are a teenager, or you were a teenager, it's all good. If you're an adult and you have a sex drive, excellent. I'm an adult, I have a sex drive. But that's not my focus. And I've had to find, you find um, healthy ways for what that sex drive is, why I have that sex drive. And create places where we can have a healthy conversation about why we have a sex drive. And that it's actually a gift from God. It's not a tool of the enemy. We don't get a sex drive from the devil. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and have life in abundance. And so sometimes we, we don't know how to have the conversation, we don't know how to talk to our kids, we don't know how to talk to our spouses and say, this is what's going on in my head and my heart, this is the stuff that I'm dealing with, this is the stuff that I'm struggling with. And so there's this layer of shame that comes over us because we're like, I'm feeling these feelings, I don't know where these feelings came from and I don't actually know what to do with these feelings. And we read scripture about being pure and not having any sense of um, sexual immorality or impurity or greed and then we go I don't actually I don't I feel like I'm not living by that but I don't know who to talk to about that and so we just squash it down and squash it down and don't talk to anybody and then it gets to the point where those feelings have to come back up and so they come back up in unhealthy ways, in unhealthy means, because the lust grows and, and, or the healthy desire reveals itself as lust. The love, the attention, the affection that we need actually gives way because there's this desire within us that's not being met in godly ways. Does this make sense? And so what is given to us as a gift from God in sex and sexuality and belonging and connection and relationship the needs aren't met in a godly way. So well, I don't actually know what that looks like, so I'll meet the need any way that I can. And when you meet the need any way that you can, it doesn't satisfy it once and for all. It actually just gives birth to this desire to actually go, oh, I can actually do this on my own. I can satisfy this desire on my own. So now we have entire industries dedicated to satisfying people's lust, to satisfying people's greed, to providing ways and means that people can find to fulfill their own desires without connection and relationship and belonging.
And this has been a massive struggle in my life. And so that's why, particularly when I meet with men, like I'm pretty upfront about asking questions. What are you addicted to? Are you addicted to anything? You struggle with pornography. What are the thoughts going on in your head? Not because I'm any better than them, but because I'm like, there is a way out. But the way out is actually by shining a light on this twisted part of nature that the devil just convinces you that it's only you and there is no way out of. And Jesus wants to say, I paid the price for that on the cross. And so as Christians, as brothers and sisters, we need to actually create a safe place where people can come and say, do you know what, this is what I'm struggling with. And it might not be you know, lust or pornography or masturbation or any sense of sexuality. It could be any kind of sense that's not actually God at work in our lives. We need to be actually, we need to learn how to engage people who are struggling with same-sex attraction without making it weird or awkward. And I'm not, like, I'm not saying that that same-sex attraction is, is godly by any stretch of the imagination. What I'm saying as sons and daughters of God is that we actually need to be able to be a safe place for people to come and talk about it. Because if we can't, if we can't have the conversation, people will go and have that conversation somewhere else and not get a kingdom mindset. And we need to be the ones that can do that. Our dinner table at home, as we've probably talked about it before, but we have an open conversation policy at our dinner table. You can talk about anything and ask anything. And let me tell you, everything gets asked. Our dinner table is never dull or boring. Or quiet. And leftovers are a thing of the past. Let me tell you, if you enjoy leftovers, don't have four children. Or cook more. Sorry, I'm getting hungry. Um, Here, Matthew, open up to Matthew chapter 6. This is kind of probably one of the pivotal texts that we think about. Is everyone okay? It's really quiet in here. Everyone's like... He's freaking me out. He's talked about sex. What's he going to talk about next, Lord? Did I give you the address? Matthew 5, verse 27. You've heard it s- that it was said, do not commit adultery. Okay, so this is Jesus, Sermon on the Mount, best sermon ever, most, one of the most famous speeches ever given. Uh, and here Jesus is quoting the old law. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Okay, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Can you imagine if that was the approach that counsellors took today? It's like, oh, I can see that you're struggling with lust and pornography. Well, let's take your eyes out and that should fix the problem. Wouldn't be a popular counsellor, would it? But here Jesus is saying it is such a big deal in your life that if that's your thought pattern and that's the things that you think about when you look at a daughter of God, when you look at part of God's creation, you would do better to actually not be able to see than to continue living in that way of life. Now we don't see any record, there's probably some very 
diehard people that are like, this is what Jesus said, so this is what I did, and they've cut something off. But generally, like in, in Scripture, we don't see that ever taking place. We don't see Jesus ever counselling somebody to go to that extent and say, hey, cut it off. He says, cut it out. He says, come along with me and I'll show you my way of life. I'll show you how to live the life that I have laid before you. Jesus, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, Jesus raised the bar. He took the law, which was this standard of behaviour, and he says, okay, that's the standard. He says, if that happens in your heart, in your mind, then you've already done it. You've already committed the murder. You've already committed the adultery. It's not just about what plays out on the outside. It's what's happening here and here that needs to be addressed. And so Jesus cut right to the core of the issue. He says, you, you teachers of the law, you people, you've made it all about the way that you behave. You've made it all about the externals. And I'm here, Jesus says, to actually remind you that it's about your heart and your commitment to follow God in every area of your life. The world condones any expression of wanton greed or lust or pornography, the pursuit of money or power. One of the greatest summaries I've heard on this topic is that, in particularly relation to sex, not just lust, but as the world perverts sex and the church has shamed sex, it's the kingdom that redeems sex. Do you know we need, a king, we need conversations and lifestyles and examples a godly mindset and culture of sex and sexuality. We need to create a safe place and I believe that we're a part of that. I believe we're doing that. We're people of all ages. Look, this isn't an age thing. This isn't an agenda thing. It's not, it applies to everybody and everything. Pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry. It's worldwide. And there is no aspect of health in it. Some professionals will say that pornography can help your sex life, help your sex drive. Sex drive. There is no research whatsoever to back that up. Pornography plays a part in child exploitation, child slavery, adult slavery, abuse of power and abuse of trust. It affects relationships the world over. All for people to make money. And we, in this day and age, need to make sure that we don't bury our heads in the sand and say, do you know what, not on our watch. And whether, no matter who comes to me and says, this is an issue in my life, this is what I'm struggling with, we need to go, I'm with you. No matter how hard it might be to hear, no matter what it might sound like, practically speaking, if someone comes to you, like, if, if someone in your family, if someone in this church whatever, comes to you and says, I'm struggling with masturbation, do not respond with, really? Well, never have thought that you'd do that. All right, you've shut down the conversation straight away. Whatever, like, that might happen on the inside. If your response on the inside is, oh my gosh, never imagined. Don't tell your face. 
All right, on the outside, your response needs to be, mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about it? Because in the first five to ten seconds of somebody coming and saying, this is a struggle in my life, that will decide if you're a safe place to continue that conversation. And if you're struggling with it, hear them out and then say, hey, let's go and get some help together. See, isolation is a tool of the enemy to say, oh, you are in this alone. You are by yourself. Nobody will understand. Nobody will be able to help you. You need to keep this to yourself. And so it just gets deeper and darker and more painful until we don't know what to do with it. I'd love to say that this isn't an issue for our church. But the reason that we're having these topics and this Acceptable Sin series is that these are the issues that we face as a church community, not just as a global church, but as the Horsham Church of Christ. We, we can make a difference, but it might take some hard conversations and it'll take some grace and some mercy and forgiveness and patience and the kind of love that Jesus gave his life for. So what I want to do, I want everyone, as we finish here, I want everyone to close their eyes and bow their heads, just because, one, so you're not distracted, and two, as much as we can, create a, a kind of a private space for people just to say, here I am, this is a problem in my life. And as Narelle shared earlier, the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so I testify as someone who's overcome the spirit of lust in my life. I make it my mission in life to help as many people find freedom in Jesus Christ. So Holy Spirit, we invite you, we invite your presence to manifest in this place today, Lord. That we would know your peace, your comfort, your power and your strength. And so just with everybody, with their eyes closed and their heads bowed, and so there's no one looking around, and I just want to ask, if, the, if this is an area in your life, if lust is something in your life that you are struggling with, I just want to raise your hand so that we can pray with, with you in this moment. We're not going to get around you like we, might not, like we normally might do. I'm just going to say, take the courageous step to actually say, yes, this is a struggle in my life and I want to be free. I want to bring what's in the darkness out into the light so that I can walk in the freedom that Jesus died for on the cross. So there's no one looking around. Right now, you could be sitting there thinking, oh, I'd, I'd like, I want to raise my hand, but what happens if I raise my hand, then will I be found out? Look, it'll be you and me that knows and God, but it will be a courageous step of confession for you to say, this is a struggle in my life. And really, like, it's not, not putting your hand up to 
tick a box for me. It's not about that at all. It's to put your hand up and say, Lord, I need breakthrough in this area of my life. Something needs to shift. Something needs to be done. I need your freedom, Lord. So, Father, for those people that raise their hand, we ask for an extra measure of your grace to flow through them in this season. Thank you, Lord, for their courage to say, this is what's good, this is an issue in my life. Lord, I pray that they would be, have the courage to pursue conversation, to find someone safe that they can talk through it with, Lord, that they confess the nature of their sins. Confession will lead to repentance. Repentance through to forgiveness, Lord. I hear the word safe harbour. Lord, may we as a church community, as families and individuals in this community, be a safe harbour for people who struggle with lust, with, with any aspect of sin, but particularly today, Lord, with sexual sin, with lust. God, I pray for marriages to be strengthened in this moment. that our marriages would be stronger and safer than ever before. Lord, may every aspect of our lives glorify you. Thank you, Jesus. God, we ask for a spirit of purity as your body. Give us clean hands and a pure heart, Lord. Clean hands and a pure heart. Lord, I release a spirit of self-control over each and every one of us. That we would steward what you have given us with wisdom and grace. I pray for us as families that we would know how to have honest, difficult, confronting conversations and to speak your truth no matter what the conversation is about. Mm. We release joy in Jesus' name that we would not condemn ourselves because the enemy would love it. But we would know your joy and we would know that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And that today would be a turning point in our lives, Lord. That our hearts and our minds would have an increased sense of purity and power. And that we would be a people that move in purity and power, Lord. And that we would help others to know your purity and your power. We thank you, God, for who you are and all that you've done and all that you're about to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.